Welcome to Center Church Dubai. We are a church built and centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ours is the story of a faithful God who saved imperfect people by His grace, united them by the love of Christ, and sent them out to bring many more to Him. Thanks for joining us. Good morning and as always, it is such a pleasure to be here worshiping the Lord together. And I don't say that simply, it is truly a joy. Only when we, when we are not able to gather like this, we truly feel that the lack in us. So let me just pray for us and we'll get started. Father, you in your mercy have gathered us from near and far and, and even, have, even has given us the privilege of having your word read out loud and even studied. Lord, give us hearts that are open to your will and wisdom. Praying, Lord, that you be glorified through this time. In the name of our King and God, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, how many here like unannounced visitors to your home? Do you fret about a lot of things? Do you go into a certain zone, get things ready to tidy up the place? Not a, not a hint of the child's toy should be seen around. And suddenly, the cupboards get packed up with all the toys. Perhaps think what's to be given for the guests. And none of these are wrong as such. But what was read out just now? This is panic on a whole other level. Because hospitality is indeed a great responsibility, especially in the Middle East. And Jesus lived at the time wherein the culture, the, it, the hospitality is greatly valued. As a matter of fact, the Jewish people, right from Abraham's time, honored their guests greatly, gave great value to hospitality. Remember the time when the three visitors came to Abraham? He was uh, panicking to get a meal ready. How about Lot, who perceived that his obligation towards his visitors was greater than the welfare of his daughters. It's terrible. But hospitality took that great a seriousness. So with such a high value for hospitality, and there's no all-day gas stations, no spinnies, no 24-hour food delivery service, doors shut and lights off at 6 or 7. But the events that Jesus narrates over here, does not happen at 7 or 9, it happens at midnight. You can imagine the acute sense of anxiety in the person, of the man that arrives at a, for a visit about midnight. His friend, he must feed his visitor. Doesn't matter whether he has bread at home or not, he must feed. And at midnight, midnight is quite a desolate place, even, even now. Perhaps not in Dubai, but at least back home, where we come from. And then we have the knock on the door. And we have an interaction between two friends. And we see that two friends. So we have this man that goes to his neighbors, his friend's house, but it's dark inside. The door is bolted shut. But after all, this is his friend. And what are friends for? Disturbing them at midnight. So he starts banging on the door. And the neighbor calls, he calls out to his neighbor inside, waking him up and appeals to him 
as a friend. Now the Greek word used here is phylos, an adjective that means loved, dear, loving, or devoted as a matter of fact. And here it's used as a noun found in the word friend. It is the way a person would address another whom he is on good terms or rather great terms. And friendship is seen, friendship is one of the more important elements here. We see it repeated four times, friend. This is verse five. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. And again in eighth verse, the first part of the eighth verse, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. The point is this. And Jesus points to this. As strong as the bond of friendship is, it's still not strong enough to get him out of the bed and give him bread. Which of you will go to your friend's place at midnight asking for bread? First of all, it's going to be extremely embarrassing. We won't do that. What, what this brings us to is showing persistence. He keeps on knocking. Persistence. Seventh verse. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Friendship was great and deep between them. But here wasn't deep enough to get him out of the bed. Now you have to understand that the, a poor Israelite family lived in a one room, I'm not talking about one bedroom, one room house. So, and in many poorer homes, uh, the house also served as a part-time stable. You have the, maybe a few goats, sheep, chickens, perhaps. All family members would sleep in the same room, perhaps in, a, in an elevated place, a slightly elevated place so that the animals don't bother them. And getting a whole family to bed is a considerable task. Parents know getting them to bed, it's not easy. So once children are asleep, we want to keep them that way. Once the chickens are asleep, we want to keep them that way. I know you don't understand the chicken reference, but it's okay. Let's stick with the children. Regardless, you don't want them waking up for general well-being. The door was locked too, and the Greek word is kleo, which means shut or lock or a bar. Now, the poorer homes don't have lock and key like how we would have. It's just a big, heavy bar kept on the door so that it doesn't get open from outside. So imagine, the task the father has to do right now is get up quietly from the sleeping area so that the children don't wake, move to the food storage area without waking up the animals, cross the area where the animals are, get to the door, lift the heavy bar, open the door and give a lot of tasks. There is no way that the house, entire household will not wake up. But hear what Jesus says in 8th verse. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. As seen here, as strong as his friendship with this man is, it isn't strong enough for him to do all that steps and give him the bread. But because of his impudence. The Greek word is anaidea, which means persistence or impudence or literally shamelessness. 
point of the parable, of course, is the importance of persistence, of not giving up. Jesus' expression, because of the man's shamelessness, is remarkable. The f this friend has no decency whatsoever in calling out at midnight. He could have waited till the morning, but he could not. Goes at midnight, knocks for some bread. And he shamelessly keeps on knocking until his neighbor gets up, somehow gets the bread and shoves it at him and just like, quiet, enough. Now, you can imagine that by this time, Jesus' hearers <clears throat> are quite amused because it is an amusing story. Imagine, um, they are imagining this. If someone tells you a story, you imagine it, what's happening. And then so the hearers are imagining this neighbor pounding the door, the, the man inside stumbling over children and chickens and then getting to the door and then just take the bread, go away. Next day may not even be friends. But it, though it's a humorous story, Jesus makes a point here. And the point is this, necessity drives bold prayer. Necessity drives a persistent prayer. The host had a need to provide for his friend. And he did not have the resources to meet. He did not have the resources to meet that need. It is an awareness of great need and our own lack of resources to meet those needs that will drive us to prayer. Let me say that again. It is an awareness of great needs and our own lack of resources to meet those needs that drives us to prayer. All too often we fail to persevere in prayer because we, we assume our own sufficiency, that we can manage it, our own competence, we assume it. We can even get by by thinking that a little boost from God, that's enough, I can get by. But the fact is this, church, the fact is this, we are destitute of physical, mental and spiritual resources unless God graciously provides them to us. We are destitute in every situation. We must recognize our desperate need and call on God for help. Pray persistently. Persevere in prayer. And when you do so, I repeat, pray persistently, persistently, persevere in prayer, and when you do so, do so with expectation. How can you persevere in something without having any expectation? It's impossible to do that. There's no aim to it. Brings me to the ninth verse. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. See that progression? Ask, seek and then knock. A persistence is being shown. This persistence, this persevering has the element of expectation in it. He knocked. There's an expectation. Notice that uh, there are three word pairs. Ask, given to you, seek, find it, knock, open to you. Now Jesus gives us these three word pairs that have to, the three word pairs that have to do with prayer. The first is the action and the second is the result. 
Now the first word in each pair is in the Greek present tense that can carry the idea of uh, an action in progress in present time. The progressive present, if I may. So effectively, Jesus' command says that do this and keep on doing it. And the second word in each pair is in the future tense. The expectation, the promise. So the Greek words used here are ask, which is Greek, eteo, means ask, ask for. And the result is what? Give, ask and it will be given to you. How about seek? Zeteo, which means seek, look for. This is the same word that's used in the parable of the, the lady that uh, seeking for the lost coin in Luke, 18, Luke 15. Try to obtain, strive for, desire, wish. And the result is Eurisco, from which we get the word Eureka, and we are familiar with that. Eureka, I have found it. Seek, and you will find. The third pair is knock. Seeking by knocking on a door until it is open. Knock and it will be open to you. The idea of persistence is reinforced by the increasing intensity of these words. Ask, seek, knock. Seeking is stronger than asking and knocking is stronger than seeking. We are to pray. We are to pray for each of these, these three are ways of talking about prayer without ceasing. We have to pray shamelessly, if you will, in season, out of season, without ever wavering. And Jesus teaches the same similar lesson in Luke 18, as mentioned uh, in the persistent widow, who keeps going to the judge. This parable was told to show his disciples not to give up. They should always pray and not give up. Persevere. Let me just ask you, what happens when you do not see an answer to a prayer for a long time? Is there a tendency then to be sluggish in our prayers? How about not praying with the same enthusiasm? Not praying with the same assurance? Not praying with the same expectation. There's no persistence, there's no expectation. If this is you, brother, sister, if this is you, remember what the Lord is telling you today. Be persistent and in expectation, pray. See, the Lord will respond. He doesn't keep quiet. I didn't, I'm a person who doesn't believe in unanswered prayers. Delayed response? Yes. A response that is unexpected, sure, but not without a response. There will be a response. And what this means is that we must understand that God can tell us no also. You're not, you're not praying so that you can twist his arm and get what you want. He can and sometimes he will say no. The apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh, some kind of affliction from Satan. That's all we know. Perhaps physical, mental, or some external opposition. We do not know. Scripture doesn't tell us that. But he pleads with the Lord. Three times he pleads. And what does God say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul accepts this answer. 
Paul accepts this as now begins to glory in his weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on him. He asked it to be taken away, but God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Not an expected answer, but an answer. Response has been given and grace has been given to accept that response. But how can we pray confidently or boldly if God may have something else in mind for us? How can we know that we are praying according to God's will? And if you don't know, can we pray at all? I've prayed for a lot of things in my life, which when I look back in hindsight, I realize that a lot of those things did not add anything of value to my spiritual life. As a matter of fact, it only sought to take it away from me, my time, my resources. And so the no from God was good. But how do we know what we ask is adding spiritual value or not? The great thing about God's word, other than, you know, it is God's word, is that his word is sufficient. And so in the section from verses 1 to 4, which was the focus of the sermon from last week, we see how we can find if what we pray is adding value or not. The disciples asked to be taught how to pray. Beautiful. It's a wonderful, noble request. Let's think. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus prayed, not my will but yours be done. Isn't that a safer kind of prayer? instead of stubbornly and enthusiastically praying for what we desire, believing, what, believing that God wants to give it to us, we have a tendency to do that. We pray for things that we want and we believe that because we are praying so fervently, it is something that God wants to give us. Shouldn't we rather pray, let your will be done, not mine? Brothers and sisters, one of the most terrifying and liberating things to pray is let your will be done. And so, we should be seeking the Father's will. The Lord's Prayer teaches us that. Your kingdom come, your will be done as it is on earth as it is in heaven. But as mentioned last week, are we to only pray for the Father's will? We can ask for our own needs. God expects that. And as, as uh, last week it was mentioned, God knows everything that we need even before we can even think of it. He knows every single day of our lives. But we ought to ask too. Why is it that? It shows our dependency on Him. It reminds us and proclaims to Him our absolute dependency on Him. And from, the, from this narrative in Luke 11, we see that the need in this case was not directly personal, but the need of someone else, his friend who visited him at midnight. Perhaps if the man himself had been hungry, he would have waited till the morning to ask. But the need was not his. It was the midnight guest's need. And this drove him to his friend's house at this odd, unseemly, unseemly hour. This reminds us, and this should remind us that while we should go boldly to God to find help for our own needs, we should keep in mind that the main thrust of prayer is not just to meet our needs, but to further the Father's kingdom. His kingdom, His will be done. And how can we do that without thinking about others? 
Thus, we are to ask for what we need to meet the needs of others too. In the name of the Father's will. We are, asked, we are asked to, we are encouraged to ask boldly. Knowing that we can trust God. The writer of Hebrew encourages us. This is from Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive and find grace to help in time of need. That we, that, and, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word translated or confidence is Greek. In, in Greek is parousia. Outspoken, frankness, plainness. And let me assure you this would be the last of the Greek. I promise. Otherwise at the end of it all you may ask it's all Greek to me. Brothers and sisters, oftentimes we come to the Lord in prayer with a half-hearted approach. We have to come to him confidently asking, confidently seeking, confidently knocking. God our Father desires to hear our petitions when we are entirely open with him. He wants us to, he wants us to pray in a way that shows our absolute dependency on him. Prayer is not a time to hide what is going on inside. Be truthful. He knows everything anyway. Share it openly with our Father. And you are privileged to call him Father. If you have accepted who Jesus is, what he did upon the cross, and if you acknowledge that what he did is final and sufficient, you are children of God. He is your Father. And we know he loves us. And he understands and seeks good for us. We can trust him even though we might misunderstand an issue or even ask for the wrong thing. We can trust him. Now that you know that you ought to pray boldly, ask what is it that you are expecting? What are you praying for and why are you praying for what you are praying for? From verses 1 to 3 in this chapter, this is one section. We can clearly see that God expects our, we can clearly see what God expects our prayer to be like and what we can expect from God as an answer to those prayers. 11th verse, 11 to 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Trust your Father to give you good gifts. Even when we ask incompletely or perhaps wrongly, He, he loves you, period, that's it. He loves you. Notice that in verse 13, the first part, Jesus characterizes us humans as evil. He doesn't assume the basic goodness of man, but rather the basic evil of man. And nevertheless, our Father does not return evil for evil, but good, even when we might be praying selfishly. Verse 13, the latter part, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, following the pattern of what was being said in verse 11 and 12, if you, a father among you, gives this, gives this, we would expect Jesus to say that as a father among you would give, give good gifts. 
your father up in heaven will give you good gifts but that's not what he says he tells he says jesus tells him that the father will give them the holy spirit the holy spirit in the old testament the gift of the spirit was uh, occasional sparse and sporadic spirit was upon moses and samuel saul and david and the prophets how about the the 70 elders upon which the spirit came to assist moses and he says this at that time in numbers 11:29 would that all the lord's people were prophets that the lord would put his spirit on them moses longing is answered in jesus christ who gave us his spirit it is it is his promise it is his promise that those who trust in the pure and perfect work of christ those who accept that he is the way the truth and the life they will be given the best gift of all salvation the indwelling of his spirit his spirit who instructs in the way we ought to be strengthening us in times of need even enabling us to pray the right things what what greater gift can there be for us and matthew 6:33 says it's a familiar verse but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness everything else is just clubbed up together at the end we have to seek him the word seek is is not used here for for which one is casually looking out for something but rather there is an intent a desperation a determination a persistence a persevering and an expectation ask seek knock god wants each of us to have the very best and only the best and when he when he looked at us the best that we we could have was himself through his creation he showed himself as the father and through the cross he showed himself as the loving son constantly interceding for us standing in the gap the spirit is the father's very best gift it is the gift of himself to dwell with us and god shall dwell with man and within us forever church how marvelous and beautiful this is that his spirit dwells within us and i have to mention this too often christians will read ask and it will be given to you and interpret it to mean i can ask for anything i want regardless of its eternal value regardless of its spiritual value jesus say that god the father will give the holy spirit to those who ask him while all who truly believe in christ receive the holy spirit at the moment of salvation romans 8:9 we all need to know more and more of the spirit's fullness in our daily life whatever our needs the greatest need is to be continually continually filled with the lord spirit and so jesus instructs us multiple times in scripture to come as needy children and ask the father to pour out his spirit upon us and jesus specifying that the holy spirit show, jesus specifying the holy spirit shows that he's he's not promising to meet our every whim and wish for every material things or 
earthly benefits but that he is promising us something for our spiritual good what is adding value to our spiritual good and so we come as children and ask and when we ask the loving father will give it to us so brother and sister if if the lord has convicted you of a of a certain sin what what have you done about it have you taken it to god how desperate are you to act on this conviction when you pray over it and is it that is it just enough to say that you're struggling with it and not really struggling there's no desperation there's no determination in when we pray about it no asking seeking or knocking and we say we struggle there's no persistence no expectation that god will redeem us from that how about when you've been praying for someone else someone else to know the lord but when we are sharing the gospel with someone are you taking this to god with a persistent and expectant prayer does your prayer reflect an urgency for he or she to know the lord or has it dimmed in relevance in your life jesus never gave up on you jesus never gave up on any of us the cross is the sign of that he did not give up a while back i was uh, a few years back i was praying for someone and when i saw that even after a year or so no change was being seen and i felt that all that effort is not going anywhere no difference the desperation during prayer became lesser and lesser and the concern reduced until there came a day when i did not remember to pray and then one day i heard about this breakthrough that was always desired always expected and and i was reminded that i did not persevere i was reminded that the god who never gave up on me that same god was working in that person's life but i gave up i my expectation fell short because i did not expect the right thing that god will see this through why for his glory everything he does is for his glory and verse this verse 13 brings us back to where jesus instruction on prayer began in verse 2 that we must come to know god as our heavenly father he is reminding us he is reminding us that our asking seeking and knocking <clears throat> are in the context of what his name being hallowed his coming kingdom his will being done on earth as it is in heaven his provision of daily bread his forgiveness of sins and his protection in temptation church we have to persevere in prayer and pray with the expectation that god is good all the time what he does is for our good for our spiritual good and this is one of our main troubles is it not it is our failure to know god as we should know him our father we say this we sing songs about it do we do we see that in our daily life now living is it something that we are always conscious about our heavenly father pain and 
suffering in very may, very many ways can always shake our intent to persevere but let me remind you that existence of pain and evil in this world does not undermine the goodness of god or our heavenly father's love for his children it does not undermine it even when we do not understand why god would allow the trials that we are suffering we must come to him we must come to him in faith and ask for a full measure of his spirit keep on asking keep on seeking keep on knocking jesus promises that we will never be sent away empty handed of that be assured approach god with bold persistence knowing that as a loving father he will give you what is good for your spiritual life because he is looking out for the eternity you and i look out for the next two days acknowledging our insufficiency and an insufficiency and placing all trust in the all sufficiency of our father in heaven this will enable you and i to persevere with a with a clear expectation of him and his good will to come to pass therefore church do not give up on your prayers and persevere in your prayer and boldly boldly pray that boldly pray your prayers with the expectation that god will be glorified that his will will be done and his kingdom will come remember that he does all things for our good he does not repay evil for evil but he does good for us so in your prayers persevere and with the expectation that he is in control that his will be done the prayers that you pray for yourself the prayers that you pray for others those who who a burden is placed upon your heart for them to know the lord pray persevere expect that the lord will bring about a change pray boldly We hope you were encouraged by today's sermon. Please visit our website cc-dubai.com for more information on Center Church Dubai. If you know someone who will be blessed by this sermon, please share this podcast link so they can stay updated.